Hello, I'm Naomi Lee. Welcome to The Lancet Podcast. Today I'm joined by Martin O'Donnell from McMaster University, Canada and NUI Galway, Ireland to discuss the Interstroke Research Project. It's a massive global epidemiological project investigating risk factors for stroke. Martin O'Donnell, hello, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Naomi, and thanks for the invitation to discuss the Interstroke Study. Can you tell us a bit more about the research programme? How did it come about and what are its aims? So the Interstroke Study builds on the landmark Interheart Study, which was a study of risk factors for acute myocardial infarction globally, which was led by Professor Salim Youssef from McMaster University. And similarly, the Interstroke Study was the brainchild of Dr. Youssef. It had similar objectives to the Interheart Study, but in this case focused on stroke. The initial collaboration um, and development of the protocol involved Dr. Youssef, myself, and Dr. Dennis Xavier, who was a visiting Hope Scholar from India at McMaster at that time. The initial concerns with respect to the interstroke study was its feasibility. While acute myocardial infarction is diagnosed clinically with the aid of ECG and blood tests, stroke requires neuroimaging for valid distinction between ischemic and hemorrhagic subtypes. So therefore, the interstroke pilot phase, which is phase one of interstroke published in Lancet in 2010, was undertaken largely to demonstrate the feasibility of undertaking a large global epidemiological study of stroke, where we completed neuroimaging for valid distinction of the primary stroke subtypes. The overall objectives were to describe and quantify the contribution of common vascular risk factors on the global burden of stroke, both for a stroke overall within its primary subtypes, We were also evaluating whether there were regional variations in the importance of these common potentially modifiable risk factors, whether they varied by stroke subtype, and whether they varied by key population characteristics. An additional aim of the interstroke study was to determine the contribution of genetics to stroke risk and whether this contributed to global variations and varying vulnerabilities to common risk factors. In other words, we were also looking at the gene-environment interaction and its contribution to stroke risk. You mentioned the first major interstroke study, which was published in The Lancet in 2010. What were the main findings then? In the Lancet 2010 publication of Phase 1 of Interstroke, which included 6,000 participants from 22 countries, This study demonstrated the feasibility of undertaking a large epidemiological study of risk factors for stroke in different regions of the world. It also reported preliminary findings for the contribution of 10 common modifiable risk factors. Phase 1 of Interstroke was targeting the feasibility and demonstrating the contribution of risk factors in a global population. However, the limitations of Phase 1 related to its sample size and its inability because of that to describe regional variations in the importance of risk factors for stroke and variations in the importance of risk factors within key subpopulations. This therefore led us to undertake the larger scale study, which was an expanded sample size with greater representation from regions of the world that had been underrepresented in phase one, which would include South America, Africa, Southeast Asia, and to increase the overall sample size such that we could describe the importance of risk factors within subpopulations and within niche stroke subtypes. So what's new about the current 2016 interstroke study? It provides uh, confirmatory evidence that 10 common modifiable vascular risk factors are associated with approximately 90% of the population attributable risk of stroke globally. Building on phase one, what's new about this 
study is it describes that within each major region of the world, these 10 common risk factors collectively account for 90% of the population attributable risk. However, the relative importance of many of these risk factors varies by region. What's important about the observation of some regional variations in some of the risk factors that we've measured is that targeting of these risk factors may have different effects on the incidence and prevalence of stroke disease within those regions. However, our findings demonstrate more commonality than differences in that the 10 risk factors collectively account for approximately 90% of the population to risk within each region. And hypertension is the most important modifiable risk factor for stroke in all regions of the world and therefore means that this is the key target in reducing the burden of stroke globally. Is the study powered to assess stroke risk factors for both ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke? Yes, the study is adequately powered to um, determine risk factors um, within both of those primary stroke subtypes um, and adequately powered to demonstrate the importance of common risk factors within ischemic stroke etiological subtypes. Can you comment on some of the interesting and unusual findings from the study? Uh, there are a number of unusual findings within the study. Um, whilst we would emphasize the, the consistency of the importance of risk factors across most risk factors across all regions, uh, there were some notable findings, uh, one in particular related to diet quality and risk of stroke in South Asia. Whilst in all other regions, the association between diet quality score, in this case modified alternative healthy eating index, showed a consistent pattern of association and direction of association. In South Asia, however, the direction of association was in the opposite direction. This suggests to us that current diet scores, which have been largely developed in North America and Western Europe, may not apply to some regions within the world. Uh, we are currently undertaking analysis to try to understand why diet risk score in South Asia appears to behave differently with respect to stroke risk. Additional findings were the importance of uh, psychosocial risk factors. Although in a case control study, one should interpret these findings with caution given the concern of recall bias, but nonetheless emphasize it as a potential target, a potential modifiable target to reduce stroke risk. What do you think are the main implications from these results? How should they inform future policy direction and how could they be used by clinicians? With respect to policy objectives, if we look at the WHO global NCD reduction targets for 2015, which calls for a target of a 25% reduction in premature mortality from cardiovascular diseases, we can see the obvious importance of the interstroke findings. This provides a key data to inform the development of both global but also regional specific approaches to population level interventions to reduce the burden of stroke, which is an important cause of mortality and disability globally. With respect to the importance for individual clinicians, for many clinicians this will provide confirmatory evidence of the importance of the risk factors that we target in common clinical practice, both for the primary and secondary prevention of stroke and other cardiovascular diseases. It provides, we believe, a, an important knowledge translational exercise in that it demonstrates that the risk factors that we all know are important are likely to be more important 
with respect to the collective population attributable risk that they are associated with than people may have considered previously. How will these data in this study contribute to the global NCD reduction targets and wider sustainable goals? Targeting the key modifiable risk factors for stroke identified in the interstroke study are the cornerstone of reducing stroke globally and achieving the NCD target of a reduction in premature mortality from cardiovascular disease. A broader issue relates to how do we develop population-level interventions to modify vascular risk factors, and particularly lifestyle vascular risk factors such as physical activity and dietary intake. Clearly, an important part of this is education, affordability of healthy foods, and affordability of generic medications to treat hypertension and dyslipidemia. Accordingly, a a wider perspective needs to be taken consistent with the Sustainable Development Knowledge Platform outlined. Finally, what's next for the Interstroke Project? So the publication in Lancet this week relates to the main findings of the contribution of 10 potentially modifiable and common risk factors for stroke. The future of Interstroke will be to analyze the data further, to provide a description of the importance of each individual risk factor, to describe in greater detail the importance of these risk factors within regions, to describe in greater detail the importance of these risk factors within stroke subtypes. Additionally, we will explore the importance of genetic risk factors for stroke and explore the importance of emerging risk factors for stroke, which have not been reported within this paper. We've also collected data on subarachnoid hemorrhage, which has not been reported in this paper, but will be described in subsequent publication. Martin O'Donnell, thank you very much for joining us on the line today from Ireland. Thank you, Naomi.